It's time for Decal Download, your source for news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We'll hear from Commissioner Amy M. Jacobs and special guests to give you an update on all things Decal. This is Decal Download. Downloading now. And it's another Decal Download. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rich Griffin, Chief Communications Officer at the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning with Commissioner Amy Jacobs. Well, beginning March 22nd, all licensed Georgia child care providers may apply for a third round of short-term assistance benefit for licensed entities. We call them stable payments from DECAL. Funding for these payments comes from the Federal CARES Act. And Commissioner, it's part of our ongoing efforts to support early child care providers who are still struggling because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Right. So we know that child care um, is struggling right now just because of uh, decreased enrollments, uh, even though most of them are open. And so the federal government has uh, provided pretty large amounts of money uh, directly to DECAL and to other states as well to help stabilize child care during this time. And um, yeah, and it's important. Uh, we've had two rounds. This is third round. Joining us to talk about round three of stable payments and how you can apply is the gentleman we call the most popular man in child care across the state of Georgia, if not the lower 48 states. And that's Woody Dover, Enterprise Project Management Director uh, here at DECAL. No stranger to the podcast, among our most popular content uh, people. Woody, welcome back. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Um, I, I dare say that um, it's the popularity of, of of my podcast really have nothing to do with me um, and more, <laughs> the, more, more of the words coming out of my mouth, but um, thank you. I'm glad I just, the checks I you're writing, Woody, the checks you're writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Make it clear, but no, people love Woody. He's great to work with and uh, has taken on some, some major projects, particularly in the past year. Reg, I do have to say, I got to get, before we get started with the details, mm. I have to give credit to Woody because he has built stable. So, I mean, although I joke on a daily basis that he's so popular because of the uh, generosity of the stable payments, he really built that um, from the ground up and he, he knew exactly what the requirements were from the federal government. He knew exactly what we needed for our systems in order to process these payments really quickly. And he literally it's not like he has a staff that's helping him. It's, it's Woody Dover um, and some IT systems uh, helping him get these payments out the door really quickly. So I have to say, um, even though I joke about it, he really has done a phenomenal job of uh, getting this up and running. And it's been a really, really smooth process for providers. Mm. Well, you know, they say the devil's in the details. So is Woody. He's got all the details. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he sorted out all of this. You know, there are a lot of requirements with federal programs and uh, as a go-between with, uh, you know, a state agency and then child care providers. Uh, Woody does a great job and, and really helps us uh, with these. So great to have him on board. Woody, let's uh, bring everybody up to date on stable payments here in Georgia. Decals distributed over $92 million in CARES funding to licensed child care programs in Georgia impacted by COVID-19. Let all this sink in. In the first round of stable payments, DECAL awarded more than $38.8 million in financial support to 3,789 licensed child care providers. Round two was $54 million to 3,677 providers. And now here we are in round Three and Woody, who qualifies for this third round of funding, and uh, uh, is the process different from the last two rounds? 
So the the, uh, the eligible providers are licensed child care family homes and licensed child care learning centers. So it's uh, the, uh, the 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 legal requirements around the funding make for, tell us that we we have to pay what are known as CCDF eligible programs, and those are programs that um, are um, regulated by the state or the federal government in some some form or fashion. Um, licensed providers. Our, our regular our regulated providers here in Georgia um, and, and adhere to all of our uh, all of our you know rules and regulations within the state and you know I think one of the critical components um, of stable was to get the funds out the door as fast as possible um, and the so what we did is we made the stable a benefit of being a licensed program and by doing so we can distribute the funds extremely fast um and which has been a great benefit obviously to providers you know if they're struggling to pay make you know mortgage payments or pay their staff i mean getting the funds to them quickly is critical to them maintaining their program so i think that was one of the the biggest successes of the program is the, the ability to get the funding out the door so um the, what's different this time is um we we simplified the application a little bit um and we changed it up just because we needed to gather some additional information to improve some other processes we're working on. Um, so we are asking providers just to go in and give us um, their rate information. So what their childcare rates are for full-time care, for after-school care, and that's gonna help us uh, create a more efficient process for our CAPS program and how we assign um, rates to scholarships. Um, and it's also gonna hopefully give us some really great data that can inform hopefully future rounds of funding. Um, and then, so what the payments are, so so that did make it different because past payments were based on the providers submitting attendance information to us. <clears throat> but what's been great about the data gathered in those previous rounds is that we took that data um, and we were able to see some trends in terms of how providers declare their attendance pre-COVID um, relative to their general size. So size being their overall capacity. Um, and we saw some trends that depending on a provider's size, they on average had an attendance that was, that matched up, that was, you know, a, a similar ratio. Meaning for instance, um, some of our smaller providers had attendances about 90% of capacity on average. Um, and whereas our largest providers, those with 200 or more capacity, they typically had an attendance of around 70 to 75% on average. So what we did is we, we scaled the payment since we weren't asking for them to give us attendance this time. We wanted to try to give them a payment that was relative to attendance pre-COVID. Um, so we used their, their, the, the general data from pre-COVID attendance related, relative to capacity and we kind of scaled it. So we're able to essentially give them a payment that's on par with um, what they would receive had they given us full attendance. Mm -hmm. um, and so this time around, we estimate that approximately at least 70% of providers will get a payment that's either equal to or greater than their, their, their stable two payment. Um, and so that, that's where we are today. So um, it's a significant payment. It's going to be a much larger total payment for decal than e either the previous two rounds. Well, we notified all child care providers about this new round of stable uh, mid-March, but what is the deadline for applying and how do providers apply for the funds? Yeah, so that, that really did not change at all in terms of how they get there. So they would just log into their uh, Decal Koala self-service account. And as soon as they log in, there is uh, right there in, on very front is a apply for stable button. Um, and so they either they can they can apply it for their initial application or if they need to edit their application, they can go to that same link and, and button and edit their application. 
the application opened at 12.01 a.m. on uh, Monday the 22nd, so yesterday, and it's going to be live and available to providers through April the 5th at 6 p.m. And so once the, the, that, the, that time frame closes, um, we will process the applications and begin um, routing those through the disbursement process so that we can get the funding out the door as soon as possible. So Woody, I know it uh, can vary. Your mileage may vary, as they say, but how much support can child care providers expect to receive from round three? Kind of monetize this for us. How much can they, can they look for? Um, it, so it really depends on the application. So that could, that could change things a little bit, but we um, allocated approximately 70, a little over $70 million to stable round three. Um, so it's our intention to get to, to disperse about, disperse about that much, that much funding um, overall, once all the applications come in. But um, in the, in the prior rounds, um, for instance, we allocated the roughly 55 million to round two, the, the applications came in totaling less than that. So we were able to increase the applications we did receive about an equal amount for all providers um, to, to bump that up. Um, so if it's possible that if this happens and there are fewer applications this time than we estimated for the whole population, then maybe that could also be done in the third round to make sure that we're um, getting that funding out the door as we've allocated it. So how are childcare providers using these funds and are there any limitations on how the money can be used? So there are some specific um, areas that they we are asking them to use the funding for, and uh, so they when they go into their application, they're they're giving us a budget, and that's their, their commitment to us in terms of how they plan to use it. And so those categories are um, specifically around retaining or hiring teachers, or retaining and hiring other other um, childcare staff. So. And then if they need, uh, they can also budget for substitute teachers. Um, another big one that a lot of providers use is just classrooms, materials and supplies, food cost. Um, another large one is facilities cost. Um, we have um, supplies to adhere to CDC guidelines related to COVID-19. And then also tuition relief for families. Um, so providers, for the most part, I've seen are using this in all these different categories. Um, I think initially we saw a lot of funding go to um, staff, you know, paying staff. I think uh, we've also seen a lot of providers uh, do to tuition relief as a way of using those dollars. And then a couple other areas, like specifically around facilities, I mean, these providers are getting lump sum payments that are that are not typical for operations. And so I think a lot of providers are taking the opportunity to make necessary, you know, improvements around their programs, um, specifically as it relates to, um, you know, with COVID, things around like, you know, increasing like ventilation. So maybe new windows they can open and close to get better ventilation for safety, um, putting it up partitions to, you know, you know, control, you know, group sizes better. Um, you know, so I think they're, they're using these funds in ways that, you know, are critical to their program, but also setting themselves up for better operations in the future as well. I think that's critical. So recently, Congress passed and the president signed the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan, which will mean some $1.5 billion to decal for child care assistance. We've seen some coverage of this in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and this story from Martha Dalton at WABE here in Atlanta. The coronavirus pandemic hit child care centers hard. State officials didn't require providers to close, but some had to out of necessity. Mindy Benderman with the Georgia Early Education Alliance for Ready Students says the state can use the federal relief money in several different ways. One, to continue stabilizing the child care industry, which we know is really in dire straits because of the pandemic. In addition to that, there are funds that can be used 
to expand access for families. There's also money for home visiting programs, mental health services, and programs that serve developmentally disabled young children. Binderman says the pandemic revealed how critical the childcare industry is, especially for working families. She hopes that will spur long-term federal and state investments. Martha Dalton, WABE News. So Woody and Commissioner Jacobs, I'll put this question to both of you. When will we see that money and uh, what are our plans for it? We don't really know (laughs) when we'll see the money. Um, it may be a month or two before uh, we receive the uh, the award or the award letter or even the actual funds in our account. Um, so it's not available to us yet. We actually don't know exactly how much we're receiving. We've seen lots of estimates and Woody's don't, done his own estimate. So we believe it's about one and a half billion dollars. There's There are two pots of money in that one and a half billion. Uh, one is considered the Child Care Stabilization Fund, which is about 900 million. And from what we can tell based on uh, the appropriations legislation is that money is to go directly to childcare programs. We believe very similar to stable. Um, and then there's about 600 million um, that they say is for childcare assistance. Um, and we haven't received any direct guidance on exactly what that means. Um, I, I do think that will, we will look at how we um, increase access definitely to our CAPS or our childcare subsidy program. Um, but Woody, you're you're the expert on this too. So am I missing anything major on on that piece of the money that's coming? <laughs> no, Commissioner, I think you 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 um, captured it all very well. Um, I, there's no, I mean, it's an oppor- it's, it's it's a tremendous opportunity for us to do some things that we never thought we'd be able to do. Um, however, it does come with some challenges, and I think um, so. Time will tell what how what what that'll be like. Um, but like you said, it's we're still. It usually takes a little bit of time for the federal government to, once they pass some of these laws, to figure out how they dis- distribute the funding. Um, they have, uh, there's methodologies that they use related to certain programs and um, population estimates that they use. So we're still waiting for them to sort that out. And then they'll, they'll inform us of the specific amounts at, at that time. And then, um, but at the same time, it's, it offers us tremendous flexibility, um, specifically for the CCDF funds to do uh, um, you know, many of the things we've already done, but also um, take it new directions and then for the stabilization funds, um, there's a it's it's very it's 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 eerily similar to how we have structured stable over the last year. Um, that said, there are a few additional um, items that have to be taken to an account into account, and so we'll be um, we'll be working diligently to um, to kind of pivot that process um, so that it, it meets the, the requirements of that program. So a lot of planning to come, but first we've we've got to get a lot of information from uh, the Office of Child Care before we can start planning for that uh, amount of money. So we will be working on that in the next few months, I'm sure. So Woody, in addition to Stable, uh, you also work on DECAL's Child Care and Development Fund state plan as uh, the co-administrator for CCDF. And that plan is designed to increase the availability, affordability, and quality of child care services. How much money does that represent and how is the plan coming along? So in terms of the overall uh, funding available through the um, CCDF um, funds is uh, roughly $370 million annually. Um, and a, por- a significant portion of that, about um, $320 million of that is the, from the federal government. And the remainder is state funding that's required to be utilized in, in conjunction with the federal dollars. So and, and what's interesting about CCDF funds is it's, a, it's, a, it's considered a block grant. And so um, the federal government appropriates the funding annually. 
but and gives states wide latitude in order, in order to, to determine how they want to use the dollars. So they put in place general um, guidelines and regulation about what can and can't be done with it. But then it gives states a lot of flexibility about at that point to then determine how they want to utilize the funds. Um, but it's really focused on um, two critical areas. One is just direct, it's called direct services for childcare. So that, that's, that's our CAPS program. Um, so we have to spend at least 70% of our annual appropriations on um, direct services for childcare, which we spend well in excess of that. Um, and the other areas, the other critical um, in, you know, initiative or intention of that funding is to improve the quality of childcare. And so we do that throughout clearly our licensing and regulation um, activities, but then a lot of our, like our quality rated improvement system um, is in our, you know, a quality rated uh, system is, is really intended to, is to be the, the output of all those funds to improve quality. Um, and then there's a lot of, there's some areas of focus around infant and toddler quality as well. So there's some general um, initiatives that the federal government requires, and then it's up to the state to implement um, specific policies and practices and investments that, that, that get those things done. And the, the CCDF state plan covers October 1st, 2021 to September 30th, 2024. And what do you mention? You have some virtual public hearings coming up? Yeah, Reg, we have two uh, virtual public hearings coming up in the early part of May. The first one is going to be on May the 4th, and the second one will be on May the 6th. And we are currently advertising in multiple um, newspaper publications about those dates, and we'll be posting those online as well about the specific time and how to access those meetings. These are virtual this year, obviously, because of the COVID-19 pandemic. If you cannot participate in either of the virtual public hearings, uh, you can still comment on the state plan by submitting your comments to ccdfstateplan at decal.ga.gov. So back to stable quickly, Woody. <laughs> for providers interested in applying for round three of stable, what should they be doing right now? They should be going to their Decal Koala self-service account, logging in, um, and then and clicking on the apply button right after they log in. And we've made some uh, good improvements to that to that application, um, and I hope that we have a I hope we have more applications come through this time than either previous rounds. So. Well, you had a great opening day uh, Monday, and I think what forty five percent of the licensed child care programs in Georgia have now applied already. Yeah, that's right. I actually ended. I think it ended up being slightly higher than that, at close to forty-seven percent by the by the final tally um, yesterday evening. Um, so it's it it it's the response has been um, swift, and I think that's really great. Um, but I mean, we still have almost two weeks left, so hopefully, we'll get the remainder of providers to to do the same thing. All right, very apply. good. Well, the word is out, and uh, we hope you will uh, spread the word. If you know a, if you are a Georgia uh, child care provider, or if you know of one, let them know about Stable Round Three. The email for more information: stable s t a b l e at decal.ga.gov. Woody, as always, thanks for being with us. Keep us posted. Thanks for having me. Now this decal download vaccine update, effective March 8th, all pre-K teachers, child care teachers, and child care staff in programs with a license or exemption from decal are eligible for COVID-19 vaccines. And Commissioner, what are we hearing from the child care workforce? 
You know, uh, so far, everything's been uh, fairly positive. We've really tried to do um, a pretty positive push on social media, asking all those teachers once they get that vaccine to send us a picture. Um, and so we can post it so their colleagues throughout the state will know um, that it's their turn. So go ahead and register for that vaccine. We'll let folks know uh, that uh, next week we will have a special guest, Dr. Georgina Peacock, uh, who is with the Georgia Department of Public Health really on loan from the Centers for Disease Control here in Atlanta uh, on the COVID-19 project. She's going to be here answering a lot of the questions we're receiving through social media about the vaccine. So we hope you'll join us uh, next week. Uh, Commissioner, the governor recently added Georgians over the age of 55, thank you very much, and those at high risk to COVID-19, which account for 92% of the COVID deaths in Georgia, expecting to open up eligibility to uh, many more adults uh, sometime in April. We understand, although there's an update uh, coming up later uh, today, complete list of health conditions that qualify. You can go to dph.georgia.gov slash COVID vaccine. And um, how are you feeling about the, the uh, total of nine now mass vaccination sites that uh, will be operational as of March 17th? I mean, I think that's just all about providing access uh, to folks. There's so many options um, on how to get a vaccine, either at the mass vaccination sites or at your local health department. And there are many pharmacies around the state that are offering it as well. So uh, there are a lot of options and um, it should be pretty easy. You may have to wait. You may have to go online more than one time um, to find that perfect appointment, but uh, there should be availability given all of the uh sites that are available throughout the state. Right. And the, uh, the website, myvaccinegeorgia, G-E-O-R-G-I-A dot com, will give you most of the uh, details that's sort of linked in with the DPH website as well. You can also go on the individual websites of local pharmacies and uh, health departments uh, and possibly get uh, your appointment that way. Once they go, do they need to bring any proof of occupation or employment? No, uh, Georgia is doing it on the honor system. I do believe when you register, you need to um, click on the box for where the eligibility category that you fit in at that time. But as far as um, any other proof beyond that, um, it's my understanding that you do not need to bring that. And I know early on when the governor announced uh, the uh, expanded eligibility, there was something called a decal uh, employee or a, a decal licensed childcare program. Are we talking about I know we're talking about all of the childcare workers, teachers, staff, and pre-K. Are we also talking about decal employees at this point, or what's your recommendation on that? Um, no, not in that specific category. Obviously, they might meet some of those other categories that have been expanded recently. Um, but when Governor was really talking about um, programs, childcare programs that are licensed or exempt according to decal. Um, that's what he meant by that, um, but he doesn't really mean decal staff, unless you're eligible in some other category. Right. All right. So bottom line, get the vaccine as soon as possible. Governor Kemp and President Biden have challenged us to have all teachers receive their first vaccine before the end of March. And that's coming up soon. So make a plan. Get vaccinated as soon as possible. Go to myvaccinegeorgia.com for more information. 
Now a Decal Download Extra, it's never too early to be thinking about your child's college education. And even if your child is in Georgia's pre-K program, that's the idea behind the pre-K to college sweepstakes happening March 15th to April 15th and sponsored by Decal and the Path to College 529 Plan and Georgia Student Finance Commission. Four lucky pre-K students will be randomly selected win $1,529 and give a little boost to their college tuition. There's also a little something for the winner's school. More on that coming up. Joining us to talk about the sweepstakes is Mitch Sebaugh, Executive Director of the Path to College 529 Plan. Mitch, good to have you back. Always good to be with you, Reg. Well, let's first of all remind everybody, what is Path to College? How, what's it all about? Path to College is Georgia's official college savings plan. It was enacted by the state legislature in 2002, and it provides benefits to families in helping them save for college. Funds can be used for tuition, books, fees, certain room and board costs, and also certain um, technology costs associated with attending the school. A very important thing in the flexibility with this plan is that you can use the money at practically any college or university in the United States and even many abroad. So while this is a Georgia savings plan, it provides Georgians flexibility of where they use their money. And there are tax advantages uh, involved with saving with a Path to College 529. There are many tax advantages, Reg. Path to College is the only 529 plan that Georgians can get a Georgia state income tax deduction off their state tax return by up to $8,000 per year per beneficiary for just putting money into the plan. Where else can you save tax money by saving it? Hmm. Uh, any earnings that are that, that occur on the plan are what we call tax deferred. That's the official term that I have to use. And what all that means is you don't pay any tax on any earnings that you have from year to year to year. The final determination of the money is when it comes out. So if you take the money out and you use it for a qualified education expense, the money comes out of the plan, federal and state tax free. So the pre-K to college sweepstakes uh, that we do is a way to raise awareness around the state and give families and child care programs a little financial boost at the same time. Tell us how all this works. Well, parents, grandparents, or guardians of children that are enrolled in one of Georgia's pre-K programs can enter our sweepstakes. Nothing else is required. They don't have to purchase anything. They don't have to agree anything. It just they have to, uh, to go and they have to enter the sweepstakes before April 15th. Then we will randomly select a winner from four different regions of the state, and each winner will win $1,529. That's great. And how long have we been doing this? I know it's, it seems like we've talked about it before in the past uh, on the podcast, but how long have we been doing the program? We've been doing the, the pre-K to college sweepstakes. This is the fourth year now. Wow. So four students will win $1,529 for their college savings plan. But here's the, the extra news, the, the gravy on top here, uh, the whipped cream. <laughs> their pre-K classroom also wins. Tell us about that. This is set up to where there is more than just one winner. The program where the randomly selected winner attends will also get $529 that can be used for any need that they may have there at their location. And that will benefit all of those that are attending that program. So in the past, I know you've had winners all over Georgia and uh, you've been able to visit in person and present the big check. 
uh, to uh, the winter and the classroom. Due to COVID-19, will you be doing that uh, this year? Reg, it is our hope to go out and to make presentations of the money with the big checks in person as we've done in years past. But as we've come to learn, things are very fluid when it comes to gatherings these days. We will follow all applicable protocols and we will do presentations only to the extent the winners and the programs are comfortable. I love giving money and seeing the faces of our winners, but we want to make sure that the priority is always the safety and the well-being of our children and the workers at our programs. Yeah, we sure hope so. Um, they have until April 15th. Uh, that is the deadline. How do we enter? It's path to college 529 forward slash pre-K. That's path with the number two college 529 forward slash pre-K. We will, we will then make random selections the week after the sweepstakes closes on April 15th. And then it takes about a week to verify the winners. And then once we verify the winners, we will announce the winners and hopefully be announcing our in-person presentations. And that will probably be right around the 1st of May. Okay. Great. So we'll look forward to uh, that. We'll look forward to the warmer weather and uh, hopefully Mitch going around the state and uh, awarding uh, these scholarships to, uh, um, to find students all over the place. You know, Mitch, the last time we talked uh, when you were here on the podcast, it was for My Life's Dream Challenge, where students uh, send in artwork and songs, poems, and essays for a chance at a $1,529 jumpstart on their college savings plan. How did that go? And uh, when will you be announcing those winners? We had a very good response and we have some really great creative entries. And our panel of judges, they'll be meeting next week for our final selections. And hopefully we will be announcing our winners just after the 1st of April. And it, it kind of really it hit me this morning thinking about that, that First, that April is just around the corner. That is hard to believe. Mm -hmm. It is hard to believe. All right. So we want everybody to get involved. Um, I guess it opened March 15th. So we are in the middle right now. Um, you've still got plenty of time, but uh, deadlines have a way of sneaking up on you. So make sure you register. As Mitch said, it takes about five minutes uh, to do it all online. So it's safe. Uh, it's uh, uh, convenient and easy to do. Uh, the deadline is April the 15th. And Mitch, we want to thank you on uh, behalf of Commissioner Jacobs and our whole team at DECAL. Uh, we love this partnership and we're looking forward to, uh, as you said, seeing the smiles on faces of not only uh, Georgia pre-K students, but also their classrooms and their families. So everybody kind of gets excited about this. They do. And when you look at how some of the programs have used the, the money, um, that is very rewarding to find out that there's a, there's a really a need that they have. One program, one time we went and a program had a computer that died the day before. And I said, well, we know what that money's going for. <laughs> We've had, you know, they've had needed playground equipment or they needed uh, books or other materials. And it, there's always, always a need like that. And we're really glad that we uh, have come up with this partnership and appreciate the cooperation that we've had through DECAL and being able to help our pre-K students in the state. Yeah. You know, one thing we've learned about pre-K teachers, they know how to operate on a, a very limited budget. So anytime they have additional funds come in, it's just, it's so exciting to see uh, not only that they're receiving that and the recognition that comes along with it, but also that they can take that and stretch it and, um, and do some great things for their kids. And um, 
toughest thing we have is on, on some, you know, things that, that we do like teacher of the year and, and those things is getting the teachers to spend it on themselves. Uh, it's like, you almost have to say, no, 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 this is for you. We want you to go and do something for yourself. And they want to turn that around and reinvest it in their kids. So Mitch, thanks so much. We love path to college 529 plan. Looking forward to uh, hearing about the winners. Thanks, Reg. Appreciate it. Now your questions from the water cooler. Hi, I'm Donna Johnson, and I work in the CAPS division here in Atlanta. My question for Commissioner Jacobs is, how do you feel about DECAL receiving the $150,000 Policy Acceleration Partnership Grant from the Aspen Institute to help student parents? Well, Donna, that's a great question, and um, you know I'm so excited about uh, about the award from the Aspen Institute. Um, that gives us an opportunity to continue our work with the Technical College System of Georgia um, to connect student parents with access to childcare. And so we know that's a big barrier, and um, we will continue our partnership with TCSG using this grant to even strengthen our partnership and and build a better system so that we can help these student parents once we know one of their barriers is access to childcare. So uh, very excited and uh, also excited that you're going to help us lead this work at DECAL. And in a couple of weeks, we'll have Donna and uh, a guest from TCSG on to uh, talk about this grant. It very is exciting about uh, what six different recipients from around the country and Georgia's one of them. Yeah, all over the country, um, from as far away as California, and uh, happy that George is part of that six. Here at the end of the podcast, and your chance to win a nice prize in the decal download quiz. You know how this works. We'll draw one name from all of the correct answers received. Email your response to decaldownload at decal.ga.gov. And listen, we've got some brand new prizes in, including Chick-fil-A gift cards, passes to the Chick-fil-A College Football Hall of Fame, gift certificates from the school box, quality educational toys, games, learning materials, and school supplies, and some passes to Stars and Strikes Family Entertainment Center, bowling, and arcade fun. Here's the question. What does stable stand for? What does stable stand for? Email your response to the decal download at decal.ga.gov. Thanks for playing and good luck. Thanks for tuning in to Decal Download. For more information, visit our website at decal.ga.gov. The conversation continues on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M Jacobs.